a podcast to honor the gods. This better come with a sacrifice. Deus Ex Media. Hello and welcome to Content and Capable, a podcast all about following your passions while still feeling like a proper adult. My name's Sam and I'm your host. This week I spoke with Bex from Tutia Brewer all about her work with witchcraft and how it's impacted her day-to-day life. Welcome to Content Capable, Bex. It's so lovely to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. This is this is fun. I always look like this, you know? Yeah, I'm really excited to chat to you. I um uh I have been so excited to chat to actually all the the next uh all the all the guests that are happening at the moment. Um I I don't know, as as we were talking about before we got started, when it rains at pause, I seem to have like lined up a whole bunch of really cool creators. Um obviously um you know, by the time this episode's coming out, you um, the listeners have already listened to a few of them, but there are so many more coming up. And I I was just like, I was reflecting on it this morning. And I was just like, there are so many cool creators that um, I'm getting to speak to. And I feel incredibly privileged to because it's not every day, like not, not everyone really gets to speak, you know, to uh, people doing amazing stuff um, in their day-to-day lives. You know, it's, it's very fascinating. Divine timing, in fact, too, I think, you know, it's like you, I think when you need that inspiration, sometimes it finds you and you had mentioned yeah. precast, like you got, you got some stuff, some, some getting your nose to the grind, so to speak, as far as like, yeah. getting to the books. So maybe you need that, those inspirations of like, Hey, I had to do all this grunt work to get to do the things that I want to do. So yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. It's amazing. Bex, for anyone who doesn't either recognize your voice or um, know who you are, could you explain a little bit about yourself and Tutu Bridger? Sure. So a, a brief introduction of my work and what I do. So I have been working in audio since circa 2000. I would say 2011 is when I first got my foot in the door. Uh, I worked at a pop station in my college town of Cape Girardeau. Uh, I was fortunate enough to do that for three, four years. And then I moved to my hometown of St. Louis and I got to work at an alternative radio station there for about two years, living out my like alternative rock girl fantasy, my real rocket uh, dreams, you know, if you will. Uh, And it's important to have those things that you do in your career that are just like, yes, this is so cool. Um, so after that, I got into podcasting. Um, I host a podcast called Tutia Bruja that is all about like magic and spirituality and brujeria. Um, and I also edit a bunch of other podcasts. I've been fortunate enough to work on like Dear Franny. So if, yeah, if you haven't heard my voice, you've probably heard something that I've worked on. Amazing. That's, I always find it very fascinating um, it reminds me of my conversation I had a couple of months ago with uh, someone who kind of has had the similar career progression, but completely different like mindset. He's Australian. Uh, his name's Radio Mike, and he's worked in radio and podcasts his whole life, like you have. And it's interesting how you kind of end up in that end up in that like podcast editing production kind of space after working in audio for so long. I really enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. It's just fascinating that it, it is kind of where that career progression ends up. 
I think, I think it takes a certain person. Right. And like you said, like the, yeah. it, it's a progression because there's only so many types of jobs for us. Um, yeah. But I think that that allows for a lot of us to know each other, a lot of us to work together. Um, I do some voiceover work too, uh, but I'm a big fan of E.G. Daly, who you might know, she did the voice of like Tommy Pickles and has just done a bunch of other stuff. But one thing that yeah. I really thought was cool when she talks about like other voice um, voice work artists is that how there's only so many of them who do like the niche of cartooning. So someone will audition for something, right? And then it won't necessarily be the right fit for them. So they'll be like, hey, you should talk to X, Y, Z. And I think that sometimes in that same atmosphere, like like the podcasting world is very helpful. Like, hey, talk to this person, meet this person. This is someone you want to meet. And uh, so, yeah, like there's only so many of us. There's only so many jobs. So it's like we all kind of, if we don't know of somebody, we've probably heard of someone. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's and the more and more I speak to podcasters as compared to content creators, the more I realize how tight knit the community is, and it's pretty amazing. Um, wow, we've already gone off on a little bit of um of a tangent. Um, could you explain how you got into witchcraft and um yeah and and what that journey was? Sure. So like. I think like I mentioned earlier, divine timing is such a real thing. Everything happens when it's supposed to. And I was sort of uh, at the time in my career, like in radio, where I was like, I don't know what my next step is. Right. So uh, I went on vacation to New Orleans and I just started buying like a few candles, little intention candles here, there. And then coming back, I started to realize like, why is when I light candles and I really like am wishing for these things to go out into the world right why why does it seem like it's more effective when I do that when I'm putting this conscious effort into it um and I started to realize like I looked into Wicca and I looked into all these different like different traditions and I realized that nothing was specifically for me even reading about like Santeria and other different types of traditions again because it wasn't for me um I like what I would call my practice, I guess, if I was to call it something, it would be like Chicana inspired brujeria. So brujeria being in my humble opinion, right? It's the, it's the fusion of different like beliefs, traditions, rituals, customs as a result of like the Spanish colonialism. Um, And so you have a lot of different faiths still practicing under the ruse of Catholicism. You have people who are lighting candles and like these candles might have a saint on them, but they're supposed to represent someone else. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of different things that, that fused into that, right. You have the, the influence of the African tradition religions, you have indigenous practices, you have like Spanish Catholicism, Mm -hmm. you have Judaism. And there's actually, uh, and I'm speaking from my perspective of this in Mexico, right? Um, Because it's different from state to state in Mexico as it is country to country in Latin America. But um, it's very much influenced by the region, the things that you have accessible to you, um, right? Because if you live by the ocean, you're going to use tools in your practice that you're not necessarily going to have if you're in a like landlocked area. Um, I think, but overall, like to its core, it's about resistance and it's about having, continuing your faith in the just grimmest of circumstances, I feel. Um, But yeah, Mm. it's what got me really into it was like I said, going to New Orleans, but what got me even 
deeper into it is we all have like a certain power that we come from and just like all of these traditions and people, and we don't always get the opportunity to really like dig deep into that. Right. Um, Mm. And on an episode of my podcast, we were doing uh, an episode about witchcraft and it was interesting, right? Because we had a, cases that were things that were witch hunts that were happening as early as like the 2000s. I mean, they're still going on, but for my particular topic, we each individually picked a topic to discuss. Mine was sort of like what went into the colonialism and why in Mexico, like what was all like New Spain, uh, Guadalajara was the second major, I guess, city finger quote in what was New Spain. But the town that my family is from was established some 12 years before. And so digging really into the roots of that and just uh, throughout all this research and whatnot, I uncovered that when the Spanish were, you know, converting indigenous people to practices, um, a lot of different things, traditions and whatnot stayed because after a certain point, they were just so busy with all their various projects. They're mm-hmm. spinning plates, if you will, that the bishops were allowed to sort of decide what was and wasn't blasphemous. So if it was like herbalism or if it was something that wasn't threatening to anybody, it was allowed to carry on. Um so that is why, you know, you see a lot of different to this day, you see a lot of focus on like what is remedios, home remedies, herbalism, candle magics, so forth and so on. Um, and you see just like the fusion of all these different traditions and practices and everyone's practice is different and unique to themselves. Um, and like I said, mine is just what I feel works for me, which is a lot of like different candle stuff. And I'm I'm from the United States. Like I live there, you know, even though like all of my family is from Mexico. Um, that's why I say it's like Chicana inspired brujeria. Cause it's very much like take the things that work for me and that I feel connected to, and then leave the things that don't. So hopefully yeah. in a very convoluted way that answered your question. <laughs> yeah. I, it's fascinating because I didn't really think about, especially in the context of Mexico and I suppose it's it's part part white privilege, part being on the other side of the world. The whole context of because Mexico was a big Spanish colony, and Spanish Catholicism. For context, I I you know I I am Catholic, and it is fascinating to hear about like the way that um just different regions adapted to Catholicism being the, you know, this is the standard here, this is Catholicism, and then everyone, you know, everyone who was enforcing, like, the one standard leaves, and you've got all these bishops going, well, we've got to make some rules as to what's blasphemy and what is just normal stuff (laughs) that's going on. Um, And it is fascinating where, you know, you start to see emerge, like, a hybrid of especially that spirituality but, you know, combining it with the, the traditions and practices that have been there for generations beforehand. Yeah. And and it's sort of just like, it's really amazing and powerful to me, right? Because it's the way of ensuring my, like, not specifically my ancestors, but, but also my ancestors, right? Because I want to kind of expand upon that mm-hmm. word. We have the, we use the understanding of like the ancestors to mean just of like the blood, but we have ancestors yeah. of like the culture, we have ancestors of the land, ancestors of the traditions. And, you know, it. it's, um, I say this especially because a lot of people will, 
ask me, they'll be like, well, you know, a lot of your practice is based on like your, your, your ancestors, as far as like blood ancestors and like your traditions, I'm adopted. I don't have that same connection. How do I do that? It's like, you figure out what works for you, you know, even if you don't necessarily know who your biological parents are, or therefore, you know, maybe their country of origin or their traditions, you as an individual still have a life of context and things that are important to you. And you can pick and choose the things that give you power that are rooted in you, you know, like, and I think that so many people forget that they, they feel like they have to seek out these things or, uh, you know, and it's just like, at the end of the day, it's whatever gives you power, right? Like I just did a podcast episode about how I do divination by iPod Wow. Yeah. And so like what I'll do, right, is I'll ask the the world a question. And there's a there's a term for this. Uh, It's called a I could be pronouncing it wrong, but it's I think it's Canticum Mancy Canticum. But now and I'll send you a link on it. But essentially you ask you spend the time to like meditate and ask a question of sorts. And then you can I don't know, say you work in three, say that three is a very uh, significant number for you. You listen to the next three songs and you think about what is really coming through. Was there a connection? Was there something, was it in the artist or was it in the lyrics or was it in whatever? Um, and I've gotten a lot of different things answered for me that way. But I think, like I said, it's about like figuring out the things that work for you. It's about what strengthens and makes your practice powerful. Yeah. And iPod has a really like dear place in my heart. So, you know. <laughs> it is fascinating because now all I can think of is the whole the iPods on shuffle, what song am I going to get next? Or like, and I still do this in the car, you know, I'll be like, I'll skip through like five or six songs. I'm like, I actually just really want to watch, listen to the one song on repeat. Let's go back to that song and just put it on repeat. Um, And, you know, it, it is interesting, you know, the more you listen to something or the harder or the context you listen to something does bring out all these different meanings. And, you know, you're, it's so fascinating to see what, you know, how, your mindset often informs the, not the worldview, but what you take out from a situation. And, you know, if, you know, and, you know, in the context of, you know, witchcraft, it's like, you know, you've got to be really purposeful within that mindset. And once, when you are, you get this really great opportunity to see things and understand things in such a fascinating way. And I, I really enjoy just that whole concept of that. It's, it's fascinating to me. You have to, I, it's funny because like, if you want to create the reality you want to live in, right. You have to, in a sense, be a little delusional because you're just like, the world has to be speaking to me. And that's how I feel, you know, like there, there there've been so many moments that I call the main character moments, right. Because there are moments where it's like the music is synced up to like what's happening in your life. And you're just like, what is this? You know, Um, Like, I remember having a moment when I had a very, like, terrible job in my life where I had to, like, travel for it. I used to work as a travel bartender and I took this job and it was just like the, the, there was this particular moment where I was like working out with someone and we were walking together and he was like, I'm so glad that you like took me to walk with you. And the song in my headphones was uh, MIA's Come Walk With Me. And I was like, this is so like this, like it's cringe, almost how appropriate it feels to this moment, you know, but no, I I have a lot of those moments where it's just like very overwhelmingly like this was meant to happen. Like this was a moment in your life that was meant to happen. Do you have a lot of those? Yeah. 
uh, often not necessarily I'll have moments where I'm a musician I've I've lived music for a very long time so music is very important to me and I'll have these these times where a song will come up um, or I'm reminded by a song and I listen to it and it often transports me back to when I was last listening to it or when I listened to it most so at the moment, I'm literally going to bring up a Spotify playlist because it is just like uh, there is a song on there that's been reminding me recently of a period of time. So um, I think it's called Numb Little Bug by M.B. Hold or Ground, actually, no, Groundhog Day by M.B. Hold. Um, it is an indie pop artist. She's really, really lovely, has kind of just made it onto the music scene. Anyway, I was listening to her, her music. It would have been a year and a half ago on repeat, just over and over and over again. Um, just because I couldn't quite... I'm very bad at finding new music, and I couldn't find, quite find music that I was really enjoying listening other than these one or two songs. So I just popped it on repeat. And so now every time I hear it, all I can remember is being in the middle of winter in a big jacket, walking home from the train station to my apartment at the time, Um and it's this really lovely memory of reminding me of, like, the kind of tranquility that I had, you know, walking between my house and the train station. And so it does. It reminds me that, you know, I should be getting out more often and, you know, walking and enjoying everything out there. And it's really it's a really great reminder sometimes of just, like, enjoying the simple things. Um, and it, it is fascinating how, it, especially music, because we are such auditory um people you know we we yes we're quite visual but our ears do a lot of the work for us as well how important different sounds songs phrases voices accents impact us um you know everything from the cringe that i have for the australian bogan accent through to the the love i have of of musicals you know everything in between is it's just it's fascinating how much it means to us and then the changes it makes in the different contexts that we're thinking. Yeah. And I want to point out the the fun irony that the song that kind of like takes you back to a different time is the song Groundhog Day, because the, oh, the yeah. concept of that movie is just like the repeating the same like thing. But that's so fascinating. I, I, I love that you are taken back to that time. I feel like when I... I don't know. I I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. And I think my, yeah. <laughs> like where I'm at in my life is I listen to all that stuff that I listened to when I was like in my high school days and like, especially my iPod, like, I don't know. I read this study that after age, I think it's like 33, you don't seek out music the way you did when you were younger, maybe because life gets a little mm. bit busy. I don't know. Uh, I'm not there yet, but I'm already pretty bad. Like I, I've just like, this is what works for me. And this is what I'm going to continue to like forever. <laughs> but I do find like things that I enjoy every once in a while. So. And it is fascinating. I, interesting after 33 actually reminds me, you know, of like, um, you know, sitting there with my mother and listening to the songs she loves. I just went and watched um, a musical um, Cruel Intentions, the 90s musical. They had all these songs from the 90s, which was a lot of the music I ended up growing up with because it's what my parents listened to uh, when I was a kid. And we didn't, you know, I didn't have a lot of stuff when I was a kid. It didn't, you know, 
if there was music on, it was what my parents wanted to listen to. And those 90s songs, I'm like, wow, like, I know exactly what's, you know, I'm not a 90s kid, but, you know, I know exactly what those songs are. And they do have such impact. Um, And, you know, obviously they're reflecting on them and remembering, you know, I suppose 33 is at the point where what you're halfway to retirement, basically. And so you're now starting to, you're looking back more than you're looking forward, (laughs) which is a little bit morbid to say, but like, truth be told, you know, my father was talking about retirement last night and I'm like, please don't talk about retirement yet. I'm just barely starting getting in the workforce, you know? Um, But, you know, it is, it is a fascinating thing when you start looking backwards more than you start looking forwards and the way that, you know, your taste in things then evolves as well. Yeah. I think, I don't know, people were all interesting, but I think that Oof, you saying halfway to retirement really hit me in the, and you're like, oh man, the reality is like, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. It just gave me, ran me through a loop right there. <laughs> oh yeah. hundred percent. Um, the amount of times, I don't know whether it's, it's the whole nostalgia culture, um, that a lot of my generation has, or it's just, you know, the, the way that things work, but I do definitely like when things hit you and you, you go way back, you're like, wow, oh, wait a second, you know, this is this is what it feels like and it's it's fascinating. Someone recently said to me that nostalgia is pain and it's something I can't shake because it's true. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that is so true. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have not thought about it that way, but to be honest, you know, the nostalgia I have for living in the apartment I did, I was living in a year and a bit ago in the city. To be honest, it was pain because I was not, I was away from my, I was a lot further away from my family. So I'm very isolated, but at the same time, I have this weird nostalgia for it because it was like, I was like living properly, theoretically. And not that I'm not living properly now, but like, I felt like I was living, you know, living as a proper adult. And then at the same time, I'm like, well, no, actually, I was actually not prepared to be doing that. And I'm very glad that I've moved into, uh, moved on to other things. Um, um, awesome. Amazing. Uh, so when you, when you practice your witchcraft, what, what does that look like for you in a physical sense you mentioned a lot a lot about candles how does that play out sure so i use a lot of color magic so i like if i'm trying to manifest or bring about something in my life right i look for the color that would be the most helpful in making that work um i do a lot of like preparing of candles or dressing them with specific herbs and anointing them um speaking of anointing like that's something i that's a bone to pick that i think that i have with a lot of catholics right because a lot of (laughs) catholic people are very are very like i feel like they're like in the broom closet in the sense that they'll be anointing candles and like you know having this like when you, when you're in church, right? Like you're all at a certain frequency, like when you're praying and stuff, and that brings about a certain type of energy. And that's why sometimes when you leave mass, like you can leave like almost like so refreshed or just like feeling like relieved. Right. Um, because there is something to be said about like 
having so many people singing songs or wishing for things at like a certain frequency. I'm in Mexico right now currently, and I had to have one of those moments like, well, what's going on? And there was like a whole street full of people praying, like enchanting at like a, a at like a certain yeah. like frequency. And I'm just like, these witchy bitches over here. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like laughing to myself. But I'm just like, you know, it's it's always I think it's the connotation too that like witchcraft is associated with evil, right? And we forget that I mean anything could be used for evil. Cheeseburgers can be used for evil. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And it is so fascinating how, you know, like the, the the context. As you said that that whole group worship I was reading someone I follow was talking about, you know, they're no longer catholic anymore, but you know, though though the masses and the services themselves, the physical services themselves, how fascinating and important they are and like, you know, really people are intrigued by, you know, Catholic mass. Um, of all things, I was in the cathedral in Brisbane where I live um, over the weekend um, and it was amazing to see the amount of people who just walked in were like having a bit of a sticky beak as like, what's going on here? And like some people would join in having really no idea what's going on and other people would be like, oh, this is fascinating. I'm going to stand and watch, but I'm not going to really join in. It was just interesting to see you know, people who aren't necessarily familiar with the Catholic faith or any faith in general, a lot of people I think nowadays are being raised without religion, which is a fascinating thing. I, we're going to see the effects of in a couple of years' time, I think. It'll be very interesting to see. But, you know, a lot of these people, you know, aren't quite sure how to interact. And obviously Catholicism has a lot of dirty, undesirable, disgusting things that have happened to it Um and, you know, the whole of the Catholic Church is, like, still working through the terrible, terrible things that the people have done. But at the same time, there is this weird, oh, but the physical stuff is so, like, so fascinating. It's not something that people see as either A, normal, or B, look at and go, oh, that's, you know, that's how that works. Like, it, I don't know, it's really hard to describe, but there is that fascinating... The, the group worship, the ch- the singing, the chanting, the saying things together really does entrance people. Well, you bring up a really good point because there's so many people who have grown up like without religion at this point, and, mm-hmm. and we are going to see the effects of that. But because of that, they're not familiar with all the rituals and things that are involved in a Catholic mass because there are, there are so many, you sit, you stand, you kneel, you, you pray, you eat the cracker, you, you know, like it's, yeah. it's all of these things. And it's like, it, there's something about it that is very like intriguing and very fascinating. And I don't know, I, I consider myself like, I've had a hard time like figuring out my relationship with Catholicism. Right. But I think I would call myself a cultural Catholic because like you said, I, I can't like a nice church with some stained glass windows and stuff. I'm like, that is a nice church. Um, I don't try to think about all the atrocities that are attached to it. I don't, but, but it's, it's, uh, it's also like, you know, for a lot of people, I understand that like, since their faith was taken away from them, they had to fill it with something. And so Catholicism was then its place. And so I, I also understand that like, attachment because at this point it's like what else is there um so i don't know i've become a lot more lax in my feelings of catholicism in my finger quote older age because i'm also just like what works for people should work for them 
in that same though as long as it doesn't give them the holy now to then hurt other people oh yeah yeah you shouldn't um should never let religion uh, and it's it's a big rule that you know i have especially when i speak to other catholics i think should never let religion hurt someone else around you you know yes you know your beliefs might you know might you might not agree belief wise with someone else but that does not mean that you get to tear that person down or disrespect them or tell them that they're wrong flat to their face you can disagree with them you can have a discussion about why you disagree with them but beyond that i think that that's where it should end you know because there is no way that turning around and telling someone's wrong is a going to either change anyone's mind or b be healthy in any way shape or form i i yeah. really do get angry at christians and catholics especially christians um um not all christians but you know obviously you know there are a lot of these people are outliers but like who just you know go out of their way to antagonize people who don't agree with their beliefs um and it is it's very frustrating because we're all humans desire connection but at the same you know but you know by telling that person getting rid of that connection basically you're you know stopping them from exploring their beliefs and exploring you know how their spirituality intersects with the world that they live in with the history of of catholicism there's always been a little bit of control so sometimes i wonder if like there's some people who are attracted to the religion because it allows them to feel like that sense of control over others that power over others but i don't know humans are strange yeah uh it yeah we're very weird animals (laughs) we just like somehow we've managed to spread to all corners of the globe, adapt the world to fit, you know, our needs, and somehow wreck everything around us, but at the same time complain that, you know, this person doesn't agree with me, and so that therefore they're a a poo-poo bumhead. (laughs) And, you know, it's like, wow, you know, when we really get down to it, we're very simple creatures, but you know, you'd think we would be a little bit more adult, a little bit more, a little bit more nuanced. I think the issue, right, is that like, for whatever reason, really talking about things that hold such a important place of our heart sometimes turns us into children. Yeah. Because we don't want to believe that those things are wrong or evil or bad. But I think it's like until we do the work to sort of sit with that uncomfortableness that makes us want to act like children and, and and feel like we have to prove people wrong, I feel like then we will make progress. But not everyone wants to do that work. No, no, not everyone wants to do that work. And it is sometimes it's frustrating. I don't know, like in the context of like, um, you know, when everyone's telling a politician that they need to pick up their game and improve their act, you know, it's very frustrating to sit there and go, well, is there anything that I can really do? But at the same time, I think it also is a very personal journey. And, you know, I am very much an optimist. I'm very much naive, but I always try to think the best in people because until they can prove beyond a doubt that they're acting maliciously, I don't, like, who knows what's going on inside someone's head? And, you know, who knows what, why they've decided to make that particular decision that might be hurting people. You know, there's so many different motivating factors, just like, you know, there are so many different motivating factors 
um, to you know in in any decision we make. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And something that's been very useful for me that I want to suggest is I. I, full disclosure, I am her podcasting editor, but uh, I have a client. Her name is Francesca Hoagie. She has a podcast called Dear Franny. And this woman's incredible. Super cool. Super cool lady. But she has a whole season about like manifesting because sometimes, right, like we kind of like we mentioned earlier, you attract things to yourself. Mm -hmm. And like sometimes in that same aspect, like when we're feeling real crummy on the inside, we attract a lot of like kind of crummy stuff into our life. And it's like trying to get past that mindset of whatever that might be. Cause for some people it's like, Oh, woe is me. Some people it's just like, well, you know, like just kind of feeling like they have to gripe about everything, but I don't know. Like sometimes it's nice to have reminders of what we can do to try and change our outlook. Because like you said, we should try and be a little bit more positive. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, so you know, while pra- you know, you've been practicing your witchcraft for a while, how does that intersect with your day-to-day life nowadays? So I do so I kind of wake up and my first thing that I do is to have some sort of meditation session whether it be like journaling and really feeling like grounded with myself, I do everything with intention. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that that's really the biggest thing that is as far as like my, my magic, my witchcraft, my, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I do everything with intention from, you know, making my coffee to like what I, you know, what, what my soap is made out of. Right. Um, like right now I'm using a rose soap because I'm trying to bring like more love and more tenderness into my life. And so it's like something that I'm sort of using because it's the symbolism, the meaning behind like, like roses. Um, I have also tried to be better about like having less waste, right? Uh, something that I feel like in my practice is very important, important to me is trying to be more eco-friendly and figuring out ways to not just put plastic and trash into the earth. I don't know. My mom said something to me the other day and it's interesting, right? Because I don't know if this comes just from just a lot of different like awareness that my mom has of like working with the earth, but she just said to me, the earth is sad in a way that was very like, oh man, like, and then I kind of just like, I think you're right. I think the earth is sad. And I think we see it like in the whole world, we're having like record breaking, like heat waves and rain and just, you know, and so I just, my, my practice is truly at the end of the day about feeling more connected to self and the world around me and people in whatever I do. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's fascinating. And it's one of those things that, um, Hey, you know, once you are more connected to self, once you, you know, understand that a little bit more and are a little bit more conscious about practicing it, it it does become very easy to do as well. You know, it's one of those things of being aware of your surroundings that, you know, the more you do it, it's like a muscle. It, 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 the easier it becomes and the more natural it becomes. Uh, have you noticed, like, any changes in, like, the way you approach situations since, you know, engaging actively in those practices? 
I would say that I am a lot more aware of things. Um, I think because I am more in touch with like my ancestors, I have like an ancestral altar and I, whenever I just feel like lost or confused, I speak to them and ask them to help me because it's like realistically, right. If anybody's going to want to help you, it's a lot of the people of your own bloodline who came before you who struggled. So like, Something that I do that I just like without fail, right? I set out like a candle for them or like things that I know that they like. And I've noticed, right, is that when I ask questions or specific things, I always get an answer. Like I've been saying for a while that I want to leave the United States because it just feels like. And the metaphor that I use, right, is uh, a rat on the Titanic. I feel like a rat on the Titanic. And that was something I kept saying like over and over and over. And uh, one of my, I, I always have like running side gigs because I have a hard time sitting still. And I had had this side gig where I was working with two other guys and we were bending this metal beam into place. And there was something about the symbolism of that that was like very like kind of weird. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go with this and see what this tells me. And soon after that, a rat came flying out and I was like, this is too much to bear. Um, And so a lot of things have been prepping me to like, maybe it's time that you should potentially move to Mexico. So right now I'm in like the early like plans of making that a reality. But yeah, like I think that ever since I've been doing this because being raised Catholic, like I didn't have didn't have all the answers and I would even say that I felt like God was used to gaslight me in the sense that like I would see or was more sensitive to like different I don't even know if I want to call them spirits but I was sensitive to something and like when I would tell people that I would either be told I was lying or that I was just making it up and so it really made me doubt like myself and my inner voice for a long time Um, And I feel like with what I do now, it is allowing me to find a lot of power in self and find a lot of power in my voice. And it works for me, you know, and I feel like I have all these reminders of that, of the fact that it's working. Um, And I feel like when I explain them to people, they're just like, oh, well, those are a lot of coincidences. It's like, well, maybe, but it's a lot of little coincidences, you know? And when things like that line up, you go, well, you know, I'm being told something here, you know, I I probably should be listening to it because if, if I'm being told something, usually it, it's right. Um, yeah. And um, it's, yeah, it's fascinating because even, like, even within, like, because I interact with so many different aspects of faith, um, even within, like, the, um, you know, pure Catholicism, it is this thing, um, and I get told very often, it's like, you know, maybe this is just a sign. You know, the whole idea of signs and symbols or, like, you know, uh, directions from, you know, spiritual directions or, like, even directions in your own life. My, um, I recently was laid off, you know, uh, the job I had for a, lo- a little while, you know, Mildly, well, mildly upsetting, quite upsetting. I was on holidays at the time, which was another whole thing entirely. But when it happened, uh, I rang my mother and I was speaking to her about it and I was talking through it and I said, you know, this just doesn't make sense. You know, their reasoning does not match up with the reality of what the work was happening. 
I know I always intended on leaving, but like, I really wanted to live on my own terms. This is, you know, now I'm coming, you know, coming back from an international holiday with, you know, little to nothing left for me to do. Um, and my mum turned around and said, you know, maybe this is just what needs to happen right now. You know, you always intended on leaving. This is the push, you know, to get you moving on and, and, and it's probably now time to move on. And uh, so fascinating, especially from that external perspective of going, you know, this has happened, this has happened, and this has happened. It's probably a sign that, you know, time time to time to move on in your life or time to make a change. And often in the moment you don't think about it, but upon reflection you're like, wow, that really was a sign. And, you know, the whole being more conscious of, of what's happening around you I think really does help. Yeah. I hate to, I hate to say it, but it might be like your mom said, it might be like a sign. Um, I, when I was sort of pushed out of commercial radio, I was actually not like you, I was not on like a vacation, but I was, uh, (laughs) I was in a psychiatrist office, which I feel is the best place to get the call that you're being let go. You know, like they've seen worse than this probably. Um, but I, one, didn't think I was going to be let go Two, didn't think I was going to be let go of that caliber, just like a phone call, which yeah. I feel is like one of the coolest ways, you know, it's like so impersonal. Um, but that b- being pushed out of that job, even though I did love it working in radio, um, allowed me to work in a position that was aligned with like social justice and a lot of like social equity, which I feel has been very much tied to my like magic journey because it is like a whole it's a whole thing of resistance. Right. And like, I don't know. So something about just working with people who, you know, are, they, they have it hard. Like they're going through life, you know, but they're surviving. There was something really powerful about just like, I'm, I'm doing good to put work into the, into the community. And I'm also like, it's, it, I felt like it was helping my practice. You know, it's just like, you're, you're practicing what you preach kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes things happen when they're supposed to. And yeah. It's the whole thing of making it worth being something worth writing on your resume, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, um, I think the, the upsetting thing for me, I think, was it was an email. You know, I hadn't, I've been barely gone a week, and they were like, "Yeah, well, we're, you know, we we don't need your services anymore." And I was like, "An email? Okay, that's bad." Yeah, yeah. It was. It's like it's like breaking up over text. It's like you know, and. You know, my dad turned around and said they probably saw it in your eyes because um, my dad very, very much a uh, um, not aggressive but very much like a um, ambitious person. My father is, and he turned around and said he, he they probably saw that you were going to quit in your eyes, and I was like, you know what, they probably did because I was really not very motivated to. Uh, I was working, don't get me wrong, and I was still helping as much as I could and. I was employed in this weird position where I was initially employed as doing administration work and ended up doing case management and not necessarily giving legal advice because that's illegal, but um, but but by giving you know case advice and helping people through the le- the the legal processes that you know our company work through, and it was you know i wasn't trained on doing that i never really studied law i didn't really know what i was doing i was learning on the job you know a whole bunch of other bits and pieces which looks great you know when you talk about it on your resume 
However, looking at that now and I go, oh, this is, you know, this is really, you know, I just really wanted... Uh, and I suppose it, it is the whole, you know, the whole desire to be doing something on your own terms. And it was very hard because, like, you know, it was not what, you know, what I was intending to do, whether I wanted it or not. Yeah. And I think that that's the worst thing too. There's some sort of pride when it's not specifically what we wanted to do, but we're like trying to make the best out of it. And so it's like, we won't leave it until it feels like, I don't know. Sometimes we're forced out. Um, yeah. A hundred percent. And it's interesting. Kind of like, like I was saying, like, I remember when I was let go of my job from my job, like, I knew I was going to quit. I remember having yeah. sort of like you, that same conversation with myself of like, when is this going to happen? Yeah. But sometimes it's, the universe finds a way. Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad it's allowed me to focus on personal stuff for the last month, which, you know, a, I'm incredibly lucky to do because I, I somehow did not spend much money overseas and also, you know, had saved enough to be able to live on my savings for, you know, a month or two, you know, sorting myself out. It's not something anyone, not many people my age, uh, at least that I know, can do. And I feel incredibly privileged to be able to do that. But at the same time, it really has, you know, forced me to sit down and think and going, what do I want to do? You know, I'm six months away, well, less than six months away now from finishing my degree I'm very close to being, you know, in the quote-unquote real world. But, you know, at the same time, I'm like, I'm still, you know, working as a volunteer at a radio station and, you know, running around like a crazy person, you know, doing all this volunteer stuff. When am I actually going to be paid for this work? And, you know, the whole working in the creative industries thing of, it's experience, it's experience. And I'm like, oh, it gives me the ick. But, yeah. Um it does give me the ick. And if there's anything that I could tell you is like, also remember your worth because that's, that's something that's really mm. hard in media and entertainment is that because we were forced to work for free yeah. and that just sets up such a shoddy foundation to like, when you do start getting paid for your work, cause you're like, what do I get paid? What's fair? What am I worth? You know? Yeah. So literally when I was when I was applying for some jobs before I left on holidays, because I was like, I should just start applying for jobs, you know, slowly get into it, you know, really get a hang of, especially because I want to work for a particular organization, um, really get a hang of their apply application process and know exactly what's going on. And I, um, when I was going through that and doing it, um, I have completely forgotten what I was going to say. Um, oh yeah, the salary, they had a question about salary and I was, I sat there, I'm like, I sent a message to my parents. I'm like, what do I say? And, and then I, and then I went and did some math and I was like, okay, well the rate that I'm being paid at the moment as a casual, if I work that nine to five, five days a week, um, how much would that be in a year? Cause that's, they're talking about annual salaries here. I was like, okay, well, it's that much money. Okay, so where, okay, where does that fit there? Okay, you know, should I be more? Should I be less? You know, how does my experience compare to, you know, the the value? And they gave a bracket and they're like, you know, what would you be happy to negotiate? And I'm like, 
I don't know. I don't know what I'm happy to negotiate because I've worked for free my whole entire, you know, media and arts life. It's, it, yeah, it is mildly frustrating. Yeah. And I um, can tell you, like, if, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was about to say, I've just, we've gone on tangents upon tangents upon tangents at the moment. We have. <laughs> um, so, um, Obviously, you've created an amazing podcast all about your work. Um, what has been some of some of the interesting parts of interacting with the witchcraft community? Um, I think building community, like community, has been one of the best things. Um, there was so the the community that I am a devotee of Santa Muerte. Um, and the community of individuals that I know that follow her is very small. And maybe, I think this was maybe like five months back ago. Uh, time all kind of blurs together, but there was someone who created a lot of different statues and stuff. Um, she passed and then her partner had passed and they had left their three children, like basically orphan. Well, I guess they were orphans. Both of their parents died. Um, and so it was nice because myself, like I took it upon myself to like make, to raise some money, but you know, a lot of other individuals were raising money too. They, the fact that so many people showed up and like, you know, did what they could to raise money for her children was really just powerful. But there's been a lot of like instances like that. I, I think it's cool that people are putting, you know, their, their, their space in the community, like really making it important, right? Like if they have any like clout, so to speak, or any like social, um, uh, what's the, I'm looking for a specific word that's escaping me. Uh, so like social collateral, you know, they were using it. Um, so that's been amazing. And just being able to support like small, like creators that do this. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. There's been like an influx of people who are really like figuring out what works for them spiritually. So it's, a lot of individuals are taking to witchcraft. Yeah. Um, and, and I like that a lot of people are going about like the ethical ways, I guess, to do it and not just like, oh, I went to this shop and they sold me sage and did this and this and this. Like they're actually looking for the things within self, right? That give yeah. them power. And that's cool. When you said sage, I was like, white person witchcraft. <laughs> not <laughs> not to discredit that. any, you know, white people who do, you know, practice witchcraft but it's like uh, you see it on the internet every now and then you know the whole appropriation of culture that white people do or like you know you've just taken all the flavor out of that dish by taking out the paprika you know or the the, the spices you know it's not that hard to and uh, yeah sorry i could rant and rave about culture for forever um it's a very unfortunate thing but i really think um it comes from just a lack yeah. of like wanting wanting to or i don't know wanting to research one's history yeah there, i mean because it it is a privilege right to be able to like go and, and find your history very easily because not everyone has that luxury yeah but but i also think right is that because my 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 feelings on this and people can disagree with me but i really just think that like if you are a white person like trademark white person right yeah. and you're living in in i don't know 
in a space that doesn't have the, the cultural ties to the things that you're practicing, I just don't think that it's, it's really meant for that person and people can disagree. Right. And, and, and do what they want, you know, at the end of the day. But I like for me, finding the things that work and like really speak to me all come from like my ancestors and my, my own traditions. Like, I mean, I do divination by iPod, you know, it's the things that I find value in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that sometimes people like they feel like there are all these rules ab- about like what is and can't be their craft. There isn't necessarily a witch committee that's going to knock on your door and tell you that you're not a finger quote witch, yeah. you know? So it's just like try and find you. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. It seems to be, at least in my experience, there is more talk about witchcraft. Did that kind of, was that like a product of the pandemic where, you know, we spent a lot more time at home and we're like, well, you know, what do we, act, you know, we had more time to sit down and like think about these, you know, philosophy kind of things of like, what do I actually believe in? You know, where does my spiritual spirituality lie? Wow. Well, I think it actually has to do, so 55% of individuals like in the world consider themselves spiritual, but don't necessarily have like a denomination that they, Mm -hmm. they like feel attached to. So I think for a lot of people, it's a lot of trial and error, like figuring out what works for them and whatnot. I don't know. I always just think that with anything, right. Have common sense. Like you wouldn't feed a stranger blood so maybe things telling you to feed it blood don't do that you know like (laughs) but i you and you'd be surprised you'd be surprised the things that people ask like because there's there's a lot of different groups and stuff where people of different denominations or just whatever practices will kind of talk about what they're doing and you'll have people just sometimes ask the most outlandish questions and it's just like oh honey yeah speaking of outlandish questions what is like one aspect of your witchcraft that you uh, that people don't know? Uh, you know, a fun fact. You know, something that people don't know about or people find surprising when you mention that I do divination by iPod is always very amusing. Yeah, um, I just it is so fascinating because it just like it made sense as soon as you just say divination by iPod. I was like. Oh yeah, that totally, totally can understand where that's come from, you know. Um, <laughs> and the more I think about it, I'm like, this makes sense. This is this is very this is very reasonable, you know. You're gonna find yourself doing that. You're gonna ask a question. It's like, come on, shuffle, see what I get. <laughs> You're gonna like write down the names of the songs. It's like start doing a bunch of fat, like you find out all these random facts about yeah. how the musicians are connected, and you're like, that applies to my situation. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, and looking towards the future, um, I don't know, what are your hopes and dreams about, you know, your practice of witchcraft and the witchcraft community? Um, I, I don't know. I sort of like, I think a lot of people on the internet, I think that a lot of practitioners, uh, like to think that there is a right and a wrong way. Um, And I don't think that's true. I think that everyone's practice is unique to them. And it is truly about figuring out the things that work best for you. I think um, I, myself, in my, in my older age, I'm trying to be a lot less judgmental of people and just connect with people over the things that we find interest in over the things that we 
disagree on mind you and i mean like that being said there are certain things that i will not like bend on uh like human rights and oh, yeah. stuff like that you know yeah you know those never bend to those and you know be people being treated like people but i don't know i think that like sometimes i myself am guilty of this it's just like we can be so doom and gloom about just like everything because it, it feels like it's falling apart all the time yeah. But, and I know I mentioned this earlier and I'm going to provide you the link to check out her information about this, but I had a really hard time understanding like 5d, which is what a lot of like love and light practitioners will talk about. Like as soon as someone started talking to me about 5d, I would like shut down the conversation. Yeah. I was just like, this person is not necessarily in touch with what's going on in the world. But I don't know when I heard, um, Francesca explain it in the sense that it's like you are aware of what's going on in the world but you can't keep reacting in the same like level of consciousness that these things that are upsetting you were created in because then it's essentially just like that whole you're giving them what they want and you're also like using your energy in a way that isn't really useful yeah and instead trying to rise above that and figure out like better solutions and and attract more like of a positive energy and and people who are trying to also figure out solutions right because we can feel so insignificant sometimes but it's like we have the capability of creating community and helping each other so yeah a hundred percent and i think you know with any diverse and very community it is a especially over the last few years it's become more important than ever to just be ready and open-minded for change as well. Um, we're seeing so many different communities change, everything from Harry Potter all the way through to, you know, uh, I'm having, I'm reading through some of the Percy Jackson books again, um, especially those early ones. And you, you read them and you read the latest ones that um, the author Rick Riordan has written. And they're like, so different in terms of like the way that they treat different cultures and different minorities and it's like wow you know this is we're moving forward you know and it's amazing to see you know even just forward movement is amazing to see progress has to start somewhere you know thank you so much Bex, for coming on content and capable i've enjoyed so much chatting to you uh about so many different things i always always forget how intersectional topics like witchcraft are and how they really do impact your day-to-day lives. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been such, such a delay. Uh, I feel for you because I think when you have two different individuals who work in audio, it's just like all over the place. So <laughs> hopefully, hopefully there's something useful here, you know, that you can use. And yeah. That fans enjoy. Yeah. Where can people find you on the internet? Yeah. Um, if you are trying to find me or anything that I do, um, Instagram is a really great place. I give a lot of updates on there. Uh, I have a podcast. I mentioned uh, Tutia Bruja. You can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts. I, I don't know. My muse has left me and I feel like I haven't really been able to create in a very regular way, um, but I'm trying to. Uh, so, but you can catch, I think there's close to a hundred episodes on there. So check that out. Um, you can check out my website, which is bexbeatcastin.com. If you are curious in what I do, if you're looking for a tarot reading or whatever, reach out. I'm always looking for different collaboration efforts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and has there been any media that you've been watching, interacting with, listening to, reading that you wanted to plug? So, okay, I, I, I like I mentioned, I'm in Mexico, so this won't necessarily be accessible to everyone, but I, I'm a big fan of the Betty La Fea, like different variations, which is like a telenovela that started in Colombia, but there are so many different renditions. Um, America Ferrera was in the American version, which was Ugly Betty. Um, right now I'm watching, it's Betty in New York. And it is, uh, I think the second Mexican rendition of it, but it's really good. I really enjoy it. Um, I don't know. I just love a good telenovela, you know? Yeah, uh, I find it the same with things like Bollywood, where it's like, you know, you, you watch it, and it's the kind of like over the top, you know, or the stories that, you know, are told over and over again, and you, they get different, and it's, it's lovely to watch. Yeah, um, yeah. Awesome. Well, you can find me at sam.the.journalist on Instagram and TikTok, and at samobjournalist on uh, Twitter. Uh Make sure you check out the podcast at Content the Letter N Capable um, on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, this week, I'm going to plug... I have plugs written down, so I know exactly what I'm plugging, but I lost my sheet. There it is. I'm going to plug the most amazing podcast that I've been listening to recently, which is Tales from the Crit Keeper. Um, actually, that's not going to be the name by the time this is published. Um, so uh, there'll be an insert of Editing Sam here explaining what their new name is because I'm actually not quite sure. They're, they're in the middle of a rebrand as well by complete coincidence. Um, this was a, a suggestion from uh, Alex from My Cabbages who uh, her friends, uh, they reached reached out to her and she um, let us know. And I've just been really enjoying listening to a D&D podcast um, from the start and like following it along because I feel like a lot of the time when you want to listen to D&D, you, you're catching up. And so you're missing out on, you know, the the live community and, you know, how you feel episode to episode and, you know, the gaps between them, which I think is one of the beauty of, like, of broadcasting television at the moment. You know, TV series on television is that, you know, you, there is that suspense of, oh, what's going to happen next week? And, you know, that community that forms around that. Um and it is Thank you for to listening part, to Content you know, and Lovely to be listening to You can to follow that. the podcast um, There are only a few episodes content, in at the moment. The letter uh, N, really Capable, on Instagram and Twitter. One, that one you can out. send a super boring um, email to us I through contentandcapablepod at gmail.com. The art well, was done um, by Opia. Bex, yeah. Thank you, you follow so them much for Opia underscore art on Instagram. Opia underscore Feel free to message them about making art for your project. Oh, thank Our you again. Written, this was so much fun. recorded and edited by Nora Strauss-Riggs. You can find Nora at Kane underscore I, that's I as in the body part, on Instagram and Twitter. Feel free to message her about making music for your project or editing your podcast. I'm proud to be a part of the Movie Night Crew Network, which features the restricted section, a chapter-by-chapter Harry Potter pod with lots of spoilers all the time, the Movie Night Crew, join some friends as they react to some terrible, some meh, and some really great movies. Fandoms Gone Wrong, a show that discusses all things fandoms. Off the Eldest Gods, a chapter-by-chapter Rick Riordan pod full of myths and legends. And My Cabbages, an Avatar podcast that follows the true hero of Avatar The Last Airbender, the Cabbage Cart Guy. Coffee. Tea. Honor. Cabbage. Long ago, the four elements lived in harmony. 
Then, shit went totally cray when the Avatar attacked. Only the Cabbage Man, merchant of fine cruciferous vegetables, could stand against his trolling. But when the world needed some dank veg, he vanished. Ten years have passed, and my partner and I have started a new podcast. My Cabbages! An Avatar podcast. A weekly show about Avatar The Last Airbender. Whether it's Sokka's new line of cologne. Hey, look at you, sitting there on a seal. Well, now look it back at me. I'm on an on a even bigger seal. Now look away. D&D related antics. You have to make an acrobatics check for that. And Aang just like unzips his pants and whips out his D20s. He's just like, I got this. Or randomly breaking into song. We'll stumble our way through the greatest show ever made, one episode at a time. You can reach us at CabbageCast, which is our Twitter, or subscribe wherever you catch pod. Rotten cabbages? What kind of slum do you think this is? Content and Capable is a podcast all about answering the question, how do you adult? Don't forget to rate and review it on your favorite podcatcher, and I will see you next Monday for another episode. Dave X Media.